How many of you would say, I want a strong marriage? People might say, I do, I do. How many of you think that all you have to do is say that? I do, I do. I always joke about that when someone decides that they're going to get married and then they say, well, they're worried about everything but like what it requires to build a strong marriage. You know, they just want to be able to say the words and go on and all will be fine. If I were to say, like, write down for me, what is a strong marriage? If you were to write something like, for us both to have our felt needs met and to be happy, that is a strong marriage. I would ask, like, is that a complete definition? I mean, it's not like you're saying, I got married so that I could be unhappy. I mean, no, nobody's going to say, so that I would have a horrible life. You know, no, no one would like say that. So we're not saying that, I mean, marriage design, I mean, it's designed by God. Like we are thankful for that. But I think for us this morning, we just kind of have to always say, okay, like how do I think more holistically about marriage and what it's for and what it's doing? So I, th- I thought about this a little bit. And, and, and again, we're not giving you a complete definition, but we, we're just... I want you to consider this. When you reflect on the Lord who rescued you, you should say, how can I be pleasing to him in my marriage? How can I honor the one who saved me in my marriage? In verse 21 of chapter 5, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It is in light of the awe that he has awakened in my heart. In light of the, the clarity of what he has accomplished for me. How can I offer my life back to him in worship? And that means that in the relationships that God has given me and the place within those relationships that he has given me, I'm saying I'm offering my life back in worship. And I believe that this will be for my joy and for the good of others and for the good of humanity, for the glory of God. When I rightly understand that marriage, the marriage relationship, is about worshiping the Lord then some of those other things we say, they'll come, potentially. Or, for that matter, like sometimes you say, the Lord is allowing me to grow in my worship through lots of difficulty. Because He wants, most of all, for me to learn to just turn back to Him, bow before Him, honor Him. So I would say, once you recognize that it's all about the worship of the Lord and every relationship, whether I find myself in the role of authority or submission in those relationships, it is about my worship. It is capturing a vision of the king who emptied himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, and then was raised again victorious. And then he, he like in his 
rescue operation. He includes me in that, sends his spirit that I might get to worship him for all eternity. And so in the present, I'm offering my life back. So I take and say, okay, what are my orders? I'm a husband. What are my orders? King who rescued me. As I bow down and want to worship you, what are my orders? What, what's the next step? Love your wife. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, that's at the heart of all that. So sometimes people talk about all these practical things to make your marriage better. And I might say, you need a practical portrait to make your marriage better. That you can like zoom in on and say, Lord, let me see the King of glory crucified, buried, and rose again. Let, let me see Him. And then that will change everything. Let me see this as an act of worship to Him. And I am most satisfied in this life when I am rightly giving Him the honor that He deserves. Right? Wrong? So, let's go back to the garden just for a moment. I want you to think about marriage kind of in general here just for a minute. It's the pattern. Genesis 2, you can turn there real quick. I'm just going to look at a couple of things. In Genesis 2, 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. When there was a right relationship with God, a right order, a right authority and, and submission relationship with Him, um, when things, when, you, know, you could say when humanity was in a state of innocence, there was complete intimacy. But you and I both know the story. They rebelled against God. Intimacy is lost. Order is corrupted. Everything kind of, even in the process of rebelling, is turned upside down. As a result, what did they do? In a desire to put on camo and hide from God, they also begin to hide from one another. Like you could say, broken relationship, fellowship with God, broken fellowship with one another, broken fellowship with all of with the whole cosmos, with, with, with the whole earth, kind of. Everything was kind of totally jumbled. Genesis 3, 7, the eyes were both were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Genesis 3.16. In the curse to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Total intimacy. Lost. The beauty of authority and submission. Lost. Now we see brokenness. The woman's desire will be corrupted and the man's loving leadership will also be corrupted. The big story in the Bible is God created this world. It's beautiful. It's good. 
Man rebelled, plunged it into ruin. God makes a promise, I'll redeem it. In the process of the story, ultimate, like the ultimate picture of redemption is the new creation, right? So, but, but what we have to do is say, what did Jesus come to do? Came to bring renewal, to restore what had been broken. And so, as we're thinking about this and thinking clearly about it, we say Christ came to redeem us and to purify us. He came to renew things. He came to give you new life. He came to birth you into a new society or new humanity. He came to give you and, and to bring about like ushering in these new standards where you could, from the heart kind of standards, where you would be motivated. And he came to give you new relationships. So what he would say is the, the creation showed you the pattern, total intimacy. The fall brought like the brokenness. God promised renewal. All of that kind of redemptive work finds its fulfillment. All those promises find those fulfillment in Christ. We have right now the down payment or I don't know how you would. There's different ways of different things that are said. But what's stamped upon us is the spirit. It's the seal of what's to come. So we presently are able to pursue living out who we've been made in the present, and that applies to marriage. And it applies to every relationship. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't really, I mean, you're talking about stuff that I, I may not, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm just, if you were just to bullet down, you're new here, you don't know. All we're saying is marriage was designed and it was good. The fall messed that up, and in marriage, like instead of being a beautiful kind of dance of authority and submission, becomes two people fighting against one another. And then Jesus came, renewed us from within, and said, "Like you want to know how you follow me and worship and live this out? I'm going to show you how this looks in marriage." And that's what Paul's doing. I'm going to show you how renewal is taking place. I want you to turn to Ephesians 5 again. We're going to get to the text, but I just want you to see one thing. It says in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Then you go through and he speaks of singing to one another. And then verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what he's saying is, I want to talk to you about how you live wisely, how you discern the will of the Lord. And then he's going to say, and I'm going to show you how that shows up in your relationships. What that looks like. We said last week, every believer should embrace their God-given relationships and seek to use them to honor their Lord and bless others. And this week we're saying, and that emphasis here on Paul, like point one of using your relationships well or actively doing this right is honoring the Lord in your marriage and blessing others through your marriage and blessing one another in your marriage. All of those things are central to what we're looking at today. So let's move forward. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, and then that's kind of spoken to the wife, and then 25 through uh, 32 or 33, uh, primarily spoken to the husband. But what we're saying here is, honor the Lord in your marriage. That's what we're saying. Like, at the heart of this, honor Him. At the heart, the heart of marriage is worship. The central focus of marriage is worship. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and, and himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to, uh, in everything to their husbands. So Paul tells a wife that she is to submit to her husband as she does to the Lord. She is to honor her husband as she honors Jesus. She is to look to the authority behind her husband's authority. She is to know that if she is seeking to serve her Lord, she will submit to her husband. This may be kind of shocking. I mean, this is shocking. It is hard oftentimes for us to really understand that, but it's just, and even grasp it maybe in the culture, I guess you could say we're in, uh, it's just, it's difficult for us. But, but, but a wife says, I want to live for Christ, and Jesus says, show respect to your husband. And he would say, to be disrespectful to your husband is to be disrespectful to Jesus. I mean, that, let that sink in. Because there are people good at their quiet time, good at going to Bible study after Bible study, but then they think that they're yielded to Jesus, and you're like, well, hold on just a second. The relationship that is closest to you, the relationship that the Lord has given you, you're like not following his plan. You're not listening to his orders. You are choosing to abandon what he said. You're not obeying his commands. The very closest relationship that that the Lord gives you to demonstrate your worship to him. You don't embrace that. Jesus is calling the wife to submit to her husband. When she fails to do so, she needs to confess her sin to the Lord and to her husband. Say, good night. It it, it is extremely important, I think, that we see this. He tells them, Just as Christ is the head of the church, so also the husband is the head of his wife. God has given him the role of leader. He says, just as the church submits to Christ in everything, so a Christian wife is to submit to her husband in that same way. On top of that, 
when someone is in a state of honoring the Lord, you don't look at Israel and say, you know what, when they were begrudgingly doing what he says, doing what the Lord was asking them to do, when they did that with a heart that was absolutely far from their actions, they were in a great place. What a model. It's not. He's saying like, and he'll talk about this later in some of the other texts that we'll look at, but he'll speak of like doing this authority submission thing with joy. You say, well, maybe I don't want to do it. Like right now I don't feel that, and so I'd hate to be hypocritical. <laughs> that, that don't work either, right? Sometimes in the practice, in the practice of something that we do not, want to do like in that practice in that step forward we have to pray god like help my heart catch up with my practice everybody has to do that like there's a lot of things i don't want to do that i have to do and oftentimes my heart is far from where it should be i am grumbling all the way there but that doesn't make it right I want, as Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. His attitudes and His actions, the heavenly Father, are always together in unison. So we should see or prayerfully ask, Lord, may my, with that vision in mind, may my attitude and actions line up with a heart of worship to You as I rightly embrace what you've called me to do. Verse 25 through 32. So we're speaking of, out of reverence for Christ, embodying what he designed us to embody. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husbands. Her husband. Husbands are called upon by God to love their wives. The example, this is just, the example is Christ's love for the church. I mean, people say the word love, like when they use the word love, definitions are plentiful in that realm. But but I think, at the heart of this illustration here, 
Love is tied to sacrifice. Right? It is sacrificial love. It is laying down your life in service. Leadership, some, some people um, think that leadership is being the biggest bully in the room. Like thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm this tough guy. I'm the one that knows everything. I'm so awesome. I'm the greatest. Celebrate me kind of, you know, leadership. Um, that is not the picture that we see here. True leadership is servant leadership. Jesus, the perfect embodiment of leadership, is that. And so some people, even in their hierarchy, in their minds, you could say, would say the leader here is at the top and everybody else is just to listen to what the leader says. And he just like bosses everybody around, tells them every step to take, da 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 But really, I mean, it's, it appears to me that when you look at servant leadership, laying down your life type leadership is a bearing of the burden of leadership. You could almost picture it like someone under the weight, carrying Carrying things forward, sacrificially, bloody, sweaty, almost under the crushing weight, but bearing under that and lifting people up. So when I meet somebody that people say, oh, that's a great leader, the idea is you say, well, okay, are they, are they constantly pushing people up? Are they making other people kind of shine, you could say in a way? And that sounds, some of you might be like, eh, I don't know if I like the way. Well, that's okay. Jesus was about making his bride glorious. Jesus humbled himself and like laid his life down. Jesus humbled himself to the point of a servant, the greatest of servants. You can't think of better service than that. He, he not only died, that's one thing. People have died for things, but he in, endured the wrath of God for us to, to, to prepare us to be brilliant and beautiful. And, and when I say brilliant, not in smart ways, but to be glorious. And so this sacrificial picture... Is, is more, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you're saying like, he is constantly wanting to make his bride more and more beautiful. He doesn't have the heart of, like, I just love to tell people what to do and maybe in life, like, I never really got to coach, I never really got to lead anything, and never, but I can go home and like put my thumb on the family. Tell them everything to do every day, every step, every, you know. You're like, come on, man. Is that what leading is? Where you're controlling in a, like, what is that? Jesus led by laying down his life. By emptying himself. Not, he be, continued to be God, but he did no, no longer, like, use all the power that he had for himself. 
He's using it to serve. Husbands, as you follow the Lord, you recognize that Christ's bride, the church, was not always lovely. He made her lovely by his sacrifice. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, or they'll say to me, like, I will love her if she acts lovely. If Jesus had done that, you would not be here this morning. <laughs> Y'all know that. I'll love her when she gets her act right. Think you'd be here today? Is there anybody who would say, oh, yeah, no, I, I'd be here. <laughs> really? Come on now. <laughs> even when she was his enemy, even when she was rebellious, even when she was denying him, he laid down his life, not because she was beautiful, but to make her beautiful. The wife and husband in a Christian marriage are to, both out of reverence for Christ, to fulfill their duty to him. You say, I want to be a strong believer. I want to walk in a way that be pleasing to the Lord. I want to worship Him accurately. Some people think, well then get in another Bible study. You got it? You're in three, add a fourth one. Be like, okay, that's what you need, another Bible study. Or, and I'm not saying you don't need to study the Bible, I'm saying... All the Bible study in the world must be followed by taking the next step, acting upon what you know to be true. You are closer to Jesus, not by whether you can win Bible trivia at the Christmas holiday, right? But as you embody the roles that he has for you. By his grace. Say, I can't do this. We know that. That's why over and over throughout Ephesians, you're saying, this is impossible, but for God. Remember when it says, like, you're dead in your sins, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even though we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and he seated us with him. Remember when he says, like, you've been sealed by the Spirit, you can. You're, you're, remember the scripture that says, you are more than conquerors through Christ. You remember that? You remember that, that the Spirit of God is, if you are a child of God, you have the Spirit of God. You remember when Paul said, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory both now and forever. You remember that? You know? You say, I can't do that. I'm just this way. I just have a tendency to say this and do this and act this way. That's fine. Except for the fact that you are to put on the new self. Created in the likeness of God. And you can't say, well, this is just how I am. What you say is, the way I once was is not right. Right? 
I have to put on the new self and act differently. And you say, well, that's hard. Yes, and it's one step at a time. And it is failing along the way. And then by grace, getting up. The beautiful thing is when a husband and wife understand the gospel and seek to apply it in their relationship so that they are picking each other up through their actions and their prayers, through their walk. They're helping each other along the way as they seek to lead and submit well. Because some people talk about it like a dance. And dances, if you're not a great dancer, means you're stepping on people's toes. You're not moving the right way. But you're looking up and saying, you know what? We're in it together, right? God designed it this way. I want to follow that. Now, so every believer should embrace their relationships and seek to use them to honor their Lord and bless others. Specifically here, we're talking about marriage. So you would say, honor the Lord in your marriage. Like that, like let it, let yourself say, this is about worship. This is about worship. It's about my worship. I want to worship the one who who saved me. Then you could say, it's about others. I want to bless others. Let me give you just a couple of kind of applications, somewhat tied to scriptural things, but just when you do this, seek to do it, Sometimes it's just one person in a marriage seeking to do that well. You are demonstrating in a tangible form what Christ and the church is like for your children. That doesn't mean that like you're going to always, it's not like, it's, this is not one of those things where you say, if I love my wife rightly, she will respond perfectly or rightly. Or, for instance, if I submit to him, he's going to just grow in godliness and become a giant in the faith. Just saying, like, whatever role that I have, like, for me to tangibly demonstrate a love like Christ has called me to or a submission that Christ has called me to, this demonstrates for those watching in my home what the, what, either what Christ is like or what the church is like. Kind of sharing the good news. When you undermine that by your words and works, it's detrimental. It's unhealthy. It's not, it's not good. But also say, not only are we talking about blessing others like your children, but also others in the church. One of the things in Titus chapter 2, it says... Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Just he's saying, like, when you keep focusing on doing this the way in worship to the Lord rightly, like it, it it allows for you to not only 
affect the little little ones that you that God may have graciously given you, but also the people in the church. You've developed patterns that you can say, listen, I don't do this perfectly, but I want to explain to you what God's intention is. I want it to, to be a blessing as an older man or older woman not to be out slandering people or irreverent, but instead teaching what is good and training the next generation. But what about the lost world? Titus 3 says that the, um, the behavior of the church in their relationship to Christ, that is how, they, how their doctrine, their understanding of Jesus matches up with their deeds, when that is properly done, it allows for our witness to be strong in the world. And I would even say, again, sometimes that means just, it may even be one-sided, but it will allow you to see this is what sacrificial service to Jesus looks like. This is what sacrificial love for Jesus looks like. Third thing, so we honor the Lord in our marriages. We bless others through uh, our marriage, and then we bless one another in our marriage. God did... God said marriage is good. He designed it. It's, it is the most intimate of all relationships. He says it is good for a man not to be alone, and I must create a suitable helper for him. God, God designed that. It's not that everyone will be married. It's not the intention. Uh, you know, we see people like the Apostle Paul that will not be married. But we, we know that he created a helper suitable for man and marriage primarily is about companionship we are running together fulfilling God's call for building a world building a civilization blessing the world it's 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 the way he designed it not for you to live alienated but for you to live in community and in your home so What we're saying is a wife that rightly understands the role that she plays in her marriage and embodies it well is a true blessing to her husband and to her children. Proverbs 31 sums this up in a beautiful way. He says, an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels says her husband trusts her. There's a long list of things. At the end of it, it says in verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Sorry, and verse 28 also says, Her children will rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. It's just, that's what God intended, and it is beautiful, and it is wonderful. And it benefits your husband. I mean, that, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do that, and to do that well. 
A husband also, when we look at this and just say, for the benefit of their wife, a husband is called upon by God to serve his wife. He should make submission easy. That should, it should be, it's, it's like um, if you say, I'm under great leadership, it's easy to follow great leadership. So much easier. It's a, it, it's a delight to follow great leadership unless you are just a stubborn jerk. You know, sorry, 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 Leah. But uh, so I was like, what you looking at me for, dude? It's like, I wasn't trying to be dirty. Um, when a wife believes he is, a husband is wanting her best. Like, she, there's a delight in that. I also want to just say this to a husband. If you find yourself, which you can do this, even not even thinking about it, rehearsing all her wrongs, then you are sinning against the Lord. If that's what you live in that way. If you find yourself always saying, well, I didn't get what I want, which again, Anna would say, hey, that's what you do, boy, listen. No, but you, you didn't get... you. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't, I didn't get put first. When, whenever you find yourself there, you, you need to repent of that. You, you're seeking to build up your wife through sacrificially serving her. Really, and, and some people, this is tough, but I mean, you might be married to a man who's adult in stature and he's a child in every other way. But the picture here is you're to act like a man. To love rightly, to sacrifice, to give, to stop thinking. You're not thinking about yourself all the time and say, she can follow with me or I'll just go do my thing. Sacrificially loving. It's a man who walks in wisdom. It's a high calling. So we could say marriage is designed by God both for you to actively worship the Lord it's designed to like bless others, and it's designed to be a blessing for you. It is good. It's a good thing. Is it always easy? Is it the way it ought to be? Are there times where you may feel like you're the only one really giving anything to any of this? Are there times where people say, I just don't want this? All, all that stuff is true, yes. But what we're saying here, as far as it depends up on you, You do it. It's not if, they, whatever. As far as it depends upon you, you love your wife. You submit to your husband. And you do that to out of worship, out of a desire to bless other people, and out of desire for you to experience the maximum amount of joy that you can in this life. Out of gratitude to my king, how can I serve him? Out of the fact that he has both motivated me through his display and empowered me through the sending of the Spirit, how can I serve him, benefit others around me, and bless the world? That's what I want to do. That's what you resolve to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for greater wisdom. 
to embody the things that we have been called to do. But we thank you that the things you call us to do are not for our destruction, but for our good. Not to curse us, but to bless us. We pray, Lord, some, for some here today who have felt like they were running up a hill or crawling their whole life trying to serve rightly in the role you've given them. We pray they would understand that what they're really longing for is hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. May they serve the Lord well by serving and the responsibility that you placed upon them. In Christ's name, amen.